0: Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Joelle. Today we are joined by Karin Moen Abercrombie and Emily England of the Swedish American Museum. Karin, who has joined us on the podcast before, is the executive director of this beloved institution and community hub in the heart of Andersonville. And Emily, as the museum curator, manages the permanent collection as well as exhibits at 5211 North Clark.
1: Welcome, Karen and Emily. Thank you both so much for being here. How are you today?
2: Just fine, thank you. Doing great. How are
1: you, Emily? Good. Awesome. So Emily, we've had Karen on the podcast before, but can you tell us a little bit about your background? We know you're the current um, curator at the museum, a role you've been in for a little over a year and a half, correct?
3: Yes. Um, I've been at the museum since January 2019. Um, I was finishing up my master's degree in museum and exhibition studies at the University of Illinois Chicago. Um, prior to that, I'd been at the Smithsonian National Air and Space Museum working in the collections department as a contractor. And um, before that, I was doing my undergrad at Luther College. And I did a couple of summers at the Vesterheim Norwegian American Museum. So that's kind of my tie in here at the Swedish American Museum. Wow, that's a. That's quite the resume
1: you have. What was the Smithsonian like? Did you, did you live in DC for long?
3: I, uh, I was out in DC for like um, a little less than a year and a half. Um, I lived in the suburbs and yeah, it was fun. There's always something um, really fun in their collections. Um, worked on a couple of famous Swedish American um, people's collections like Charles Lindbergh and Buzz
0: Aldrin. Um, so another tie-in. <laughs> So what brought you to the museum, to Chicago and all of that? How did you end up here? Um, So
3: I was born in Iowa and raised. So like Chicago was kind of like the biggest cultural area near me. And um, I missed working at smaller museums just because I really like having like a variety of things to do and not just having to do like one small specific task all the time and being able to like. Do exhibits, work with collections and the artifacts, give tours, and so um, I had a lot of experience like that at like Vesterheim and a couple other smaller museums. And so when I saw that the Swedish American Museum was hiring, I was like, you know, Vesterheim was one of my favorite places to work, so maybe that might translate over to here, and it has. So that's what brought me
0: here. Meet (laughs) the hammer. So yes, thank you. Glad to be here um ha, do, have you had a, a kind of a favorite exhibit that you've worked on since starting at the museum in 2019? Ooh, that's
3: a tough one. There's been so many good ones.
0: Um, I really liked the first one that we did, The Colors
3: of the North, um with two sisters from uh Duluth, Minnesota. They had a lot of like really big, bright, colorful pieces that incorporated their Scandinavian heritage. Um and there's been a couple of the smaller ones in the Wallenberg Gallery I've really liked, like the Sutterdahl family. Um, they are Swedish-American historians and um, they've just done an incredible amount of like history work. And also we had Lost Houses of Lindale, which was a local artist who is capturing like the gentrification in Logan Square. And those two were kind of my favorites as well, local history.
1: Well, um, we asked, um, Karin back here too specifically, because I know we're all in a very strange time. Um, you know, we continually remind our listeners, we are recording via zoom. So (laughs) you're hearing a very different version of the podcast, but that is due to COVID. And COVID has obviously hit every small business in Andersonville very hard, but in particular our arts and cultural sector has had to adapt in brand new ways. Um, but we've been so impressed with how the Swedish American Museum has really pivoted to offer a lot of um, you know familiar programming online in the zoom and video format. Can you talk a little bit Karin or Emily about what the process was like for you as a staff trying to re-envision some of your longstanding program in this new virtual format?
2: Yeah I think you know we not only do we connect with all the visitors that come to the museum but we collect a lot we connect a lot with our volunteers so we started very quickly to both connect with our volunteers through weekly volunteer meetings because otherwise we will all be gathering and talking around the museum to hear how people are doing so by doing that virtually at least we were able to see people and hear how they are doing and then we also realized that there were some of the programs that were easier to move online i know you you know scandinavian jam i think took them took us a little bit of time and now they have this jam session once a month that connects to to musicians not just in the u.s but in sweden and i think that is what we realized that as we could move our book club discussions which was pretty new we're pretty new to the museum that By having books available that people can buy anywhere and then connect with us on book discussions. We did the same thing with our TV series to have people watch a Swedish TV series at home. And then we picked a time to have a discussion. And it was fun when we were doing the TV series, especially the ones that had several sessions, because we all loved all the characters, like at the end of the session, like, you know how a season wraps up and then it starts again. Well, at the end of a season, like, yeah, this is great. Everybody is on the same track. And then you, the next two, three episodes, like, wait a second, what's going on? And uh, now we've moved, to so we're more watching movies because everybody can do that at home, but it's fun to have someone to sit and discuss that with. And um, I think those are the ones that really have been connecting with people in many different places. We took a little break for our knitting group and that's gonna connect back up in September the volunteer gatherings, we've also sort of, yeah, Emily's a knitter. Then the other ones, um, you know, we've sort of moved a little bit more monthly to do that, but we're also connecting with some of the other museums. So, for instance, and Emily can talk about the exhibit coming up, but that's an exhibit that has also been at the other uh, Swedish, American, and Nordic museums. So we all have to do Zoom meetings, which means that it doesn't matter if you live in Chicago, you can listen to something that has to do with the Minneapolis Museum. And we have people listening in or participating in our discussions from Utah, from Detroit, from Philadelphia, from the West Coast. I mean, it's sort of all over the place. So in one way, the world has become much smaller because it's a click of a computer that to connect to yes i mean it's a little harder to do some other children activities uh we have definitely tried to move our heysan online and we have some regulars i would say just that we had some regulars that came to the museum doing heysan but um others maybe have you know it's a little bit harder the two-year-old isn't going to sit in front of the computer but it can maybe sit in color so it, some of the programs were a little bit harder
0: yeah because you did offer um the a summer camp, a virtual summer camp.
2: Yep. Um, how did that go? It went really well. They uh, were able to travel, you know, quotation travel, like, just like we did here to four different countries. And then they were able to show their parents and grandparents on the last day what they had learned about the different countries and they had some crafts. So it's really the level of sort of what, it, what is possible. And I think that it, it started out with okay we can only do this but then you start to find a little bit more creative ways to do that so cramp went really well and we had a viking party yesterday and we had the most famous viking of andersonville come and visit us Awesome. Uh, his name was bjorn yesterday so um you know it's it's more i think they're the the challenge is really to how do you figure out that there are different ways for different age groups in connecting and i know we have some of our older members that just don't want to sit in front of the computer anymore they want to see people they want to sort of feel like they're connected and it's harder to do that online but on the other hand we have some great things that we're thinking about doing for the future Um, i think that the one that sort of connected us also to people was that we were able to participate in the curbside pickup early by having our store with our food items so we were able to connect with that quite early and then you know through that when it sort of did, they opened up a little bit wasn't that we were back in person is when we added our little baking days on friday and we're convinced that we can teach everyone how a sweeter cinema roll can taste versus an american cinema roll for instance and stuff like that so it's uh and that's been fun because it was something different to do when it was a way to for us to start our cafe a little bit earlier
1: so are you saying there's uh virtual programming that you turn tune into on fridays for baking to learn what you're doing
2: we have not done virtual baking yet we are actually we have a couple of scheduled for children next week and uh, we might do it for adults we have been able instead to do some adults in person because of the you know some limits our gallery space is so large that we can fit six people in there comfortably we can fit more than that but having you know six people is also a time frame that i don't want to go over where people are together for too long of a time but we're going to try some virtual sort of baking with children we'll see if they connect if they just like our online video so we did move we could we had we taped a couple of different ways to do children's sort baking activities and put on our website.
0: Well, the museum has uh, opened back up in some capacity. Um, I know the children's portion up on the third floor is still closed for right now, correct? Um, but how, what protocols has the museum put in place for safe attendance, um, both at the museum and the shop? And what can visitors to the museum still experience in person?
2: I'll let Emily talk about the exhibits. I'm just going to talk about the general a little bit. So we have participated in all the training that is available, and in a lot of it that the chamber, you know, put on to make us aware of what is available. What the city has put on, we have tried to put up signs without what I call being a sign city. When you walk in and you're sort of bombarded by signs, because um, it's amazing how few of us know how to read once you come into a place, but you know how to act. So you sort of behave in a way that you normally behave. So our goal was really to minimize the chances for people to have to be close together and take away some of the opportunities. So our lobbyist is not available to sit down in because it has fabric chairs. For instance, our closet we have closed. We are um, you know, cleaning our bathrooms more regularly. So we have put up signs and reminding people about their masks, we created some more personalized signs for the floor to sort of stay here and don't stay close to the next person and then we also find some blue and yellow footprints that Emily had fun with and I let her talk about how she did that for the exhibits.
3: Yeah so with the exhibits it's a little nice in that you know you're not supposed to touch the artifacts to start with so um at least not in the children's museum exhibit Um, so that has been helpful Um, and we put up the little footprints at like common areas where people would stop to look at labels and just kind of as a guide in case of um, more than one um, like family group visiting, um, more than one household visiting, then um, that way it can help people to visually space out themselves and make sure that they're staying six feet or more away from each other. But fortunately, we have a lot of different exhibit space. And so, even when we have had more than one household, nobody's really been close at all. And um, it's been working out pretty well. People can still come see the exhibit. You know, museums were doing social distancing before it was cool.
2: So, <laughs> yeah. we sort of have an internal, anytime that a visitor is coming, the front desk person. Text either front desk or store person text to the rest of the staff, like, okay, we have a visitor in the museum, just so that you're aware that someone is there and also to know that maybe we have to go to the bathrooms and do some cleaning, maybe we have to clean off some of the areas. We have hand sanitizers spaced out everywhere. Um, and we we have gloves available for the stores if people really want to touch. I mean, sometimes it's hard just look at an item that you want to buy. So then we remind them that we have gloves available so they can use those and um, that's been pretty popular. The kids are really fun when they want to put on gloves so they can touch things. (laughs) And
3: it's been, um, like the traffic flow has been pretty manageable and being able to like, once one group comes in and leaves, to like be able to like sanitize down like all of the common touch surface areas, like if they use the hand sanitizer to do like door handles and stuff. It's been very manageable.
1: Can you give us an idea? I know that in some of your, you know, all of your gallery spaces are different sizes. Can you give us a sense of how many people you're allowing per space at the moment?
2: I think we have said about 10 to 15 per floor. So 10, 15 in the gallery space and 10, 15 up on the second floor. And even if there is not 10 to 15, let's say on the first floor and we have another family coming in, we sometimes remind, you know, suggest that they go up to the second floor and see the second floor exhibit first. We're also minimizing using the elevator. We've put that there's only a two person maximum. Obviously, if you have a family, they can all be in there because they're going to be close together in any way. But we're encouraging people to use their feet and legs and take the stairs up so that they sort of create a circle going around the second floor. And the same thing for the first floor exhibit and um, Like I said, You know, we have been fortunate that we haven't had to go to timed entry because it's been a flow. I think we had one Saturday that uh, the volunteer and the staff person that was here was like, this is almost like a nor almost like a normal Saturday in summertime. It was people were just out and walking and in and out of the museum as much as the store. But the, um, you know, I don't know what others are feeling, but we are noticing that the international tourists are not in our neighborhood. They're in Chicago Period. So. Right,
1: yeah, we've noticed that too. We usually, we have a pretty good relationship with True Chicago. And usually summertime for us means several requests from True Chicago to lead international tourists around or international media. Um, so we're definitely missing them. Um, they're really fun, especially some of uh, the European influencers that we let around last year at this time.
0: Well, you have an exhibit opening this week that will be open to the public, um, you know, by the time this episode airs, and that will stay open through November 29th. Can you tell us a little bit about Swedish Dads and the process of getting the exhibit up and running?
3: Sure, so the Swedish Dads exhibit is a photography exhibit by Swedish artist, Johan Bavman, who um, is taking portraits of, swedish dads and their children and he's focusing on the dads who take more than six months of paternity leave sweden has a very generous um, parental leave where um, parents are allowed 480 days of leave and um, each parent's allowed i think about 90 days and then the rest of the time they can split up or use however they see fit um, And so he's focusing, not very many dads do take full advantage of that allowance. And so he is kind of meeting with the dads who are doing that and um, seeing how their relationships with their partners and with their children um, are affected by taking this leave. So it's a really fun, little exhibit with like very cute pictures of dads playing with their kids or doing like household chores and stuff putting it up was pretty much the same as always except fewer volunteers a little bit more socially distanced everybody wearing masks Um, so it took a little bit longer time with less help but um, we're also incorporating some outdoor elements making use of our parking lot um, and including a couple of the portraits outside so that way people who maybe don't feel comfortable coming into the museum yet or those who are wondering what we're up to can see what is
0: going on inside the museum so is the exhibit um mostly comprised of portraits or you have some narrative that goes along with it can you tell us a little bit more about how people can learn more about the people in the photographs yes yeah, so
3: The exhibit that we have is 15 portraits and each one has a little vignette that the dads are talking about um, like their relationships and how their paternity leave has affected them and their families. And um, we're going to also have an online version of that text that will make that available in Spanish and Swedish as well. and so there's the fifteen portraits, and then each dad with their perspective on raising their kids at,
2: uh-huh. yeah, to just i mean the photos he was really trying not to do staged photos, so it's not like your dad sitting with your in the lap and everything is perfect there some of them are almost a little humorous, and some of them are very creative in how the dads, just like mothers have done for years, figure out different ways and that Joelle is doing right now, like how to combine working with a little young child. And so I think, and they've traveled this exhibit all over the world is, you know, to make it almost like cool to be that dad that is able to be part of the caretaking. And we think right now, because of the current situation we're in with COVID, I think there are many parents who have had the fortune and the opportunity to be able to be a parent a little bit closer to their children in some case maybe a little too close because you also have to be a teacher which some you know have have maybe have a harder time with but there's so many things that parents have been able to do during this last several months that maybe many especially here in the u.s have not had the fortune to be that close to their children before because of how Different our societies work. So we think it's sort of a cool exhibit. And we've also connected with the daddy blogger, Antonio, and we're trying to get, you know, he, him and our photographer to connect. We're also connecting with the Nordic consulates to talk about parental leave in the different Nordic countries as well as trying to connect it to the US. So it's sort of all about family life. But um I think some of the photos are definitely going to put a smile on people's faces. Yeah, and there's also
3: a book too that's an expanded version where it's got 45 total portraits and the vignettes as well that will be available. Um,
1: Curious too, Emily, can you tell us, like, I was really interested in hearing you say you're going to be hanging some of the, the artwork in the parking lot where exactly is it going and how, what steps are you taking to ensure its safety and weather and all of that? And um, yeah, that's just really a really cool way to introduce people to it.
3: That's the very nice thing about this being um, a photography exhibit done by a photographer who uses digital photography, because he's got digital images that he's been able to send us, and then we can adapt that onto a banner and then we can like cable tie a banner on. Um, ASI in Minneapolis, they did something similar as they're still shut down due to COVID. And they, I think, printed theirs on canvas and put theirs out along their fences so that way their community can see their interpretive content as well. So just a new flexible way of
0: doing exhibits in the time of COVID. And how did you kind of go about um choosing this particular exhibit for this time and then how does that exhibit selection sort of work um, overall do you um, plot out the year for the museum or do things kind of come in and come out throughout the year it's a bit of both
3: Um, sometimes we have artists contact us we have an exhibits committee that is very in touch with different things going on around with other museums we are in touch with the different museums and with the embassies and consulates And so um, it's a lot of, there's a little bit of everything kind of going into the exhibit schedule. Um, We try to kind of plan things out as much in in the advance as possible, but with COVID the exhibit schedule got a little bit shifted around to accommodate like the international travel restrictions and things. And so fortunately this exhibit was available and so it just got bumped up just a little bit. and we changed the galleries on it to put it in the main gallery so um more people can see it so it'll be more there's more room for people to be in space socially distanced and it seemed like the topic of gender equity is a very hot topic right now and it's just a really great exhibit so
0: yeah, because you've been, most of the articles of late have been about sort of like how the women's movement has taken a back step because of COVID and more, you know, women are now still managing kind of all of the stay at home care for their children. Um, so the the dynamic has shifted a bit here in America. So um, it's good to kind of see this other influence coming in to show us that there could be a different way. Exactly.
1: I just have a random question that uh, I didn't give you ahead of time, but I hope that's okay. So I've noticed a lot on your Instagram and on Facebook that your graphics have, you've done a lot of cool things with your graphics for your different events. Did, did you start working with somebody different? Did somebody you work with in staff just start designing all these cool graphics for your
2: social media accounts? Uh, it's actually one of our staff members and I think it depends on the week. <laughs> That Elise gets, um, so what, yeah, we have two people working in marketing. And when we started out with our signs, even for opening up and had our, you know, wear a mask, wash your hands. We were um, very, I think, low key. And then like, no, you can add a little bit more. So she's had a lot of fun, but no, there is, there's sort of restrictions of how much money we have available (laughs) at this point. So we are trying to really utilize everybody's talent as much as possible, as well as Catherine, our store manager, she has done a lot of photos going on about the store and trying to creative and put more of that online so we can connect with everybody a little bit more. And, uh, but no, we're very fortunate that we have some people that are very creative in how to put things together and show us in a little bit different way than maybe we've done before and we're less i would say that maybe it's directed towards me that it, like it doesn't have to have the same format all the time it can be a little bit different as long as our logo is on there they know that's the museum stuff
1: yeah i know i've i've had a lot of fun seeing it and i love seeing your little cinnamon roll graphic show up when it's cinnamon roll day <laughs> um so i know car you've probably still been baking um how has that all been going? What are pre-orders like and have you noticed any customer f- favorites for either the baked goods or the store or Swedish food? What's everybody um craving right now during their COVID continuation? Yeah,
2: well, um you know, one of the basics that we've been trying to keep sort of every single week is our what we call a kanelbulle, which is a cinnamon roll. Um and it's in basics, it's not that different from an American. It just doesn't have the frosting on it. It has what we call pearl sugar on it. And it's not super sweet. So people like it as a basic to their coffee, tea, or you know whatever they drink. So that's sort of just been our basic. And then we've been adding either cookies or almond tarts or other things that we know people either are missing from the Swedish bakery or that we want to test out to see if people would like it. And I do have a couple of you know regular customers that we can say okay we gave you this too can you try that for us and let us know if there's something we should have available or you know is it something to move on with so it's it goes up and down a little bit but in some weeks are a little bit more than others we were very fortunate we had one of our um volunteers from sweden that was here for a couple of years with her husband so she was here may when we started this through july basically until they had to go back to sweden so it was a fun way with our masks i think the first couple of weeks we were very social distant from each other and then as every week we were doing this together we were still socially distant we were still keeping our masks on in the kitchen but it was less panicking that we were maybe three feet apart instead of six feet apart because we were doing this and keeping you know social distant from others during the time period just like a restaurant i mean it's hard to work in some environments where you're totally six feet apart all the time. But it's been fun and it's really our base of trying to figure out what we're going to offer and how we can offer certain things in a cafe sometime in the future when things open up a little bit. But we're still working on our openings between our buildings and opening to our courtyard, which I know has limited the chamber's possibility of using the backyard, but um, <laughs> I yeah, know I can just
1: you, at one point that I wanted to hop the fence or figure out how to set a picnic table up back there so we could have an outdoor meetings. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Maybe we I still can. will, but yeah. yeah. Um, and for our listeners that maybe don't know the full scope of the project, um, Karen, would you just kind of give everyone a, an overview about what is actually going on at the museum and what the future look of it um, will be?
2: Yep. So about three years ago, we bought the building north of us, which now the chamber has their offices on the, on the third floor, which is 5217 North Clark Street. Uh, the intention of buying the building was that we could expand into that building on the first floor level. And as the sort of plans have been going along, eventually that will be a retail store and we will open up a little cafe on the 5211 retail store side and along with that we're actually we're creating openings from the gallery to the courtyard because that's a smaller building than our 5211 building i can't talk about current and not current buildings because they are both our current buildings right now at this point so our goal is to be able to have events that we can move outside um having probably some cafe seating outside in the summertime for the time being it's going to be an open area and we haven't we don't have the final plans on landscaping and stuff at that point. But we are—we took down the garage and we built a wall towards the alley so that there's a little bit of privacy back there. But it's also a goal for us to be able to use it for our rental events as well as our own events. So if someone wants to have a little portion outside, they're able to do that right from the gallery space. We're also simplifying how uh, caterers can come in and out of the building. So we have talked about what we have done at the museum and Emily has talked about the upcoming exhibit. In addition to Emily, we have Elise, Angelica, Caroline, Stacy, and Catherine all working at the museum and they've all worked really, really hard. And I want to give them a special thanks for adjusting to this new way of working, but always continuing to connect to our community. So thanks to them and thanks to the chamber for including us in the podcast.
1: Well, I think we've reached our point in our podcast where we like to ask you both if you had the opportunity to switch places with an Andersonville business for a day, who you might pick and why. Karin, I cannot recall who you picked the first time. I don't think did we
0: had that question. Oh we did? I think you it came 24? I think Karen was was one of the OGs of the podcast. So yeah. um I don't think that we ever got a response. So we never asked it.
2: I'll let Emily answer that question first. Yeah.
0: Would it be cheating if I said
3: I wouldn't? <laughs> <laughs> I just love I museums. So like <laughs> <laughs> it's, okay. it's like the last like I don't know <laughs> nine years of my life to museums. <laughs> so I guess Edgewater Historical Society, if I had to.
1: You're the first person I think who's picked that, right, Laura or no? Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome I'm sure yeah I mean I I think it would be super fascinating to trade places with them for a day
2: yeah
0: do you have an interest in houses I mean you did the exhibit there at the museum do you have an interest in architecture and houses um as well a little it's more just like
3: I love museums because it gives me the flexibility to like switch between different topic areas um so like you know five years I want to learn about Swedish Americans and another five years or something maybe I want to learn about another culture or switch to science or something and so like museums just give like that huge flexibility so it's always fun to like jump into a new topic and learn everything
0: there.
2: That's great that's a great answer. I try to think about this one too because I have many interests I think and uh, I'm very happy where I am right now but based on some of the little things of where we're going and what we're doing, I think it'd be fun to actually be at the, the flowered bakery for a day to figure out how to adjust some of our traditional Swedish bakeries to a gluten-free environment. I would,
0: yeah, that was a great idea. I mean, that might actually be able to happen if you, I know, I was you, like, you like, take you an afternoon there. there. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: I'd be down. Good, <laughs> I know you would. <laughs> And I think the biggest thing we want to make sure our listeners know, too, is how can patrons continue to support the museum at this time, whether it be in person? What are the best ways to donate? If you could go through that a little bit, that would be great.
2: Um, so, I mean, continue a membership, if they are members of the museum or start a membership, is sort of a way to get some of the information that we send out to our members and, and to give us a regular connection. There are We do different fundraising campaigns all the time. We have a couple of events coming up that I think will be a way for both people to have fun as well as support the museum. We're doing a family fun festival in our parking lot on September 12th from 11 to 3. And we figured out a way that we can do this in person by family signing up for specific time slots and there will be activities that we know how to switch out and how to disinfect and how to keep clean and it's outdoors. So we're not limited, you know, we're still limited to number of people, but we have a little bit more space. And um, September 13th, we're actually doing a virtual ABBA concert um, in the afternoon that we are sponsoring together with Scandinavian Park. And then November 7th we're still doing our annual fundraising event but it's going to be a virtual event and we will have our silent auction online obviously it's a couple of weeks away and a couple of months away there are many other events happening before then but that will be a way to buy a silent auction item without having to both come to the event or participate specifically in the virtual event that we will have on November 7th so Creativity is flowing right now, how to do a big fundraising virtual event. I know you guys did yours on Midsummer Fest. Ours will be a little bit different, but there are ways to do it. So, and then just come and see us and buy things in our store. We have some great items in the store, both for your palate to eat as well as to read or enjoy in different ways. Well, all of those
0: upcoming events uh, sound amazing and and good luck putting all of that together. I know it's, 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 it's an endeavor, but it's also fun. And, and Abba is like the dancing queen, Abba's Lou, they're, they're the best. So, (laughs) Um, well, thank you, Karin and Emily for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast. For more information about the Swedish American Museum, please visit swedishamericanmuseum.org. For show notes on today's episode, please visit andersonville.org.
1: Always Andersonville, the podcast, is produced by the Andersonville Chamber of Commerce and currently recorded via Zoom. We thank you for your listenership, and if you like the podcast, please subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting platform. We are also actively looking for podcast sponsors to sustain our production. Please email us at info at for more information. Thank you for your continued support, for staying active in our community, and for staying Always Andersonville.